This is USA Takedown. The best guests. All the hot news and predictions on combat sports of wrestling and MMA. With your host, the true American, Scott Casper. Connect with him now on social media and check out usatakedown.com. Now, it's time for USA Takedown. Hello again, everybody. It is USA Takedown. Barbarian Apparel presents this show each and every week. We're at the Wild Rose Casino Studios downtown Des Moines where the snow is flying today. I don't know, Kira, did you expect the snow that we received? I I thought it would be maybe a dusting, but boom. Well, I knew. Uh, I, I haven't got you on mic. Oh. Got to push all the right buttons. How's that? Hello? No, Hello. still not there. Well, we'll come back to you once you figure out your mic. In studio today, um, helping to interview our guests and got a personal relationship with several of them but he makes his return to the shows pablo basa pablo good morning how are you good morning good morning go ahead draw that microphone in as close maybe you could even draw closer to the microphone well folks great program on tap for you today brought to you by calderberg's pbs landscaping and by the way speaking of snow and leaf removal now's the time to call calderberg's pbs landscaping because they can take care of you and your yard or your business, 278-1118, 278-1118. Matt Kaldenberg's sitting in his office today doing paperwork, but his crews are out there working around the city in central Iowa. It's Matt Kaldenberg's PBS Landscaping. Thank you, Matt. Been with us a long, long time. All right, Defense Soap guests today include Jody. Is it Zyger or is it Zyger, Pablo? I got no clue. Yeah, you got no clue. I mean, obviously, you got the Steiner part right, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But Jody Steiner is the wife of Terry Steiner. She's a, a gamefully employee, employed uh, uh, a professional with uh, Delta. But in her off time, she's helping to shepherd women's wrestling into the new generation. She's been there for all of those that have gone on. But she's there now as well for all of those that are going through USA Wrestling that look to make a difference for Team USA around the world. Ray Cole will be joining us. He's one of those guys from my history in broadcasting, somebody I've admired most. He's got a new book out. We'll talk to Ray. We have several authors on the show today, by the way. Doug Schwab is going to be joining us, head coach of the UNI Panthers, and may not have had the NCAA championship that they expected last year or wanted, but they've addressed that, and he'll tell us about how and what changes they're making at UNI. Paul Wiederman and Ken DeStefanis will be joining us. They've got a new book out, a collaborative effort with an introductory essay by Mr. Dan Gable, Coach Gable, obviously. And uh, it's advice from champions. Advice from champions. So if you could walk through life and understand that anybody in life, surely that, that has the ability to do so, but that could endorse an idea, endorse and offer advice from their championship position. I got to believe that uh, this would be a, a hard book because you send out, you know, 2000 letters, you may get a thousand back with essays. Okay. And these are the responses. This book is filled with some incredible advice from outstanding people. These are the champions of our lifetime. All right. So do we have Roger or not? He, we were gonna, we were gonna have Roger. Okay. There we go. Hi. There, hi. Hello. There's Kira. Hello. Kira arrived late. <laughs> so let's talk about the snow. Talk Roger. To... Roger's on hold, but he's on the road. Yeah. So he's trying to look for a place to stop. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, so we will have him, I okay. promise. Well, thank you. So, yeah, the snow. The snow. What the heck? <laughs> I know. It's I was it. expecting it on Sunday. I didn't expect 31 degrees this morning when I walked out my door. <laughs> I almost went back to bed. Yeah. And that's not like me. <laughs> so I got up and cleaned and took the garbage out, showered, shaved, all that stuff. And I'm so glad to be here talking wrestling and MMA. By the way, Pablo Ubasa in the studio. Ubasa trained. You see the shirts. You see the hats. You see the pullovers. It's one of the most respected names of anybody that could possibly coach your kids. And Pablo, they can look for you online on Facebook or where else? Um, Twitter. Twitter and um, Instagram. Okay. And and this you've got, what, three areas that you're coaching in, right? I mean, you, you got Perry? Yeah, I got Perry. Um, it's a satellite site, though. Um, Shannon Barnes running that. Now I go there once in a while. Okay. And then Iowa City and then Des Moines. And then Des Moines. Yep. Okay, so coming up at the Bel Air Ballroom, my old company, MCC, okay, I was part ownership of that. Well, it's been sold now several times. The guy that bought it eventually, two guys, Rick Tassler, Johnny Case, UFC star Johnny Case, he'll be sitting in the chair you're sitting in next week. And we're going to talk about fight night, which is uh, apparently the night before Thanksgiving. I thought it was Thanksgiving night. Okay. I don't remember. Anyway, so this fight will take place at the Valor Ballroom. My question to you, sir, is would you like to be my guest on the night before Thanksgiving at Thanksgiving Throwdown? Oh, I got to check my schedule. You better check it now because Royce Alger, I'm sure, will be calling for free tickets. Okay. Okay, what date is that again? Your boy, Royce Alger. Well, The 26th? Is it the 26th? Is that the night before? Thanksgiving, 24th? Uh, I'm looking, I'm looking. November 25th is the Thanksgiving, so it'll be the 24th. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll think about that. Let's go to our very first guest on the program on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends at Hear.com. I've been uh, wearing my hearing aids at work, and you can silence out the white noise now. And if you have tinnitus, boom, they get rid of the sound. It kind of equals it out. Thank goodness. I'd like to wear them while I sleep. How about that? All right, so our first guest is somebody I've long admired. He's a Hall of Fame coach, a multiple-time EIWA, Ivy League champ in his own right, Penn alumnus Roger Rainey. He joins us now. Roger, good morning. How are you? Uh, Good morning, Scott. Doing great. How are you doing? I I know you've got a super busy schedule, and I appreciate that more than you'll know, but um, thank you for taking the time to join us. I think it's important that we tell the story about what has been going on in Pennsylvania, what has been going on with the RTC Further, what's been going on with Penn and Drexel, you know, we go back to you learning from your dad, who was chair of the anthropology department uh, and curator at the Penn Museum from 57 to 90. Who holds the job that long in this day and age? (laughs) But your father absolutely gave you a good grounding and you developed a love for Penn's campus. And I think that's when you really began a lifelong commitment to Penn wrestling. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it, it goes back a long ways. Uh, my dad passed away a few years ago, but um, you know his story. I think uh, is you know inspiring to a lot of folks who come to this country. He came up to the United States uh, from Argentina with a hundred dollars in his pocket and didn't speak the language and landed at the University of Michigan and you know went off to create a career. And yeah, not many people stay you know as, as long at at one institution um, as he did. And um, 
you know, I think uh, as a young kid running around the museum looking at mummies and all kinds of things, you know, just <laughs> the idea of, uh, you know, here's a, a, a place that houses all kinds of information and knowledge and can expand, you know, what, how we understand the world. Just a, a really exciting environment and campus to be on. So the movie, a lot of people don't realize this, the movies, I should say, uh, called uh, A Night at the Museum, that was actually based on your life. Is that true? A night, a night at the museum. I'm not even familiar with it. <laughs> Do you remember this uh, series of movies, Kira? Yeah. What is? Am I right on the title? A night at the museum. Yeah. Was it Ben Stiller? Yeah. Night yeah. at the museum. Yeah. Ben Stiller. Anyway, very funny movies. Except, right. I think Robin Williams is in one. As um, <laughs> who was he? He's in all three. Roosevelt. Yep. He's yeah. Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt, yeah. All right. Anyway, we're diverging from the topic here. I've got work to catch up on my pop culture, Scott, I'll admit. <laughs> well, you don't have to work too hard to pass me by. Um, all right, so let's talk about this. You you kind of broke my heart. i got to tell you, you broke my heart because I had such high expectations of UPenn when you announced your stepping off as a head coach. How difficult was that decision for you, and how needed was that departure? Yeah, it was a uh, it was a point in time, really. Uh, you know, personal decision, family decision. Scott, um, I had been the head coach at that point for 19 years, and you know, we had uh, moved the program forward. You know, humbly, you know, into some pretty good levels, into the top 20, top 15, top 10 in the NCAA, and you know, we're consistently producing all Americans and, and some titleists and title contenders. And then Brandon Slay went and won the Olympics in Sydney. And at the same time, from a family perspective, my, my two kids, Dave and Lindsay, they were nine and seven at the time and you know, starting into their middle school, middle school and high school careers. And I, you know, I really wanted to be present. You know, I didn't want to be an absentee dad and you know, looked at my days of travel a year at the time. And I was on the road about 105 or 110 days a year at the time. And, uh, so it was, it was both kind of a, hmm, it's time to turn the page and, you know, turn the program over. Um, and also a time to really, you know, circle the wagons and focus on my family. So, yeah, tough on one sense, but at the other, you know, on the other hand, uh, you know, it was a, a clearly pretty easy decision to make. Yeah, and, that, and, uh, and I admire that when you told me why, then it made it a little easier for me to, to deal with it. <laughs> I don't like to see people I respect move away from what I think is a perfect place for them. But obviously, uh, when family enters the conversation, they have to be first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that. All right, so, yeah. um, you know, if you think about what you were able to accomplish in the first 19 years, which apparently you were following into your father's footsteps of, of tenure, uh, <laughs> staying on to a job a long past when most people had moved to something else, I mean, your dad did his job, Ruben did his job very well, and you did your job very well, but there was something out there. There was kind of a niggling around the edges where you thought that you were going to be able to do even more. How did the whole Pennsylvania Regional Training Center, the partnership with Drexel, UPenn, et cetera, that crossing the bridge back and forth, you know, first of all, it's a very romantic area to be a part of if you can just go and visit those campuses. It's remarkable, and I've been lucky enough to do so. But what we've been able to glean from this experience, Roger, is that you've been able to pr produce Hall of Famers in terms of academics, athletics, uh, and I'm talking about NCAA All-Americans. Matter of fact, Matt Valenti is on staff there, right? He is. He's my boss. 
How does that work? <laughs> it's great. <laughs> you know, like uh, I recruited Matt out of out of high school and coached him for the majority of his career. Um, what a great guy! You know, and he went on to uh, you know to coach um, after he graduated and you know completed his uh, his run. He you know he competed in the Olympic trials had a an overtime match or back in the day, the, the ball pull rules, you know, with Coleman Scott, you know, and, um, had a long history with Coleman and, uh, won most of those matches, but dropped that particular one in the Olympic trials. And of course, Coleman went on and, and won the bronze medal. And, you know, that was the end of Matt's competitive career, but he moved into, you know, athletic administration and, you know, has been moving up the ranks. He's really a star within the Penn athletics department you know, handling, you know, quite a bit of responsibility, but he has sport oversight for wrestling, which makes a ton of sense, of course. <laughs> and, um, and so we work very closely. Um, he's not an easy boss. <laughs> and so he's, uh, but he's very, uh, in tune, obviously what, with what we're doing with our college program and, and also with the PRTC. Roger in your uh, backyard was something called Foxcatcher. By the way, Pablo Basa in the studio today, and you know the story of Pablo about Foxcatcher and and uh, all that took place with the um, with the family and 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 then the control that Dupont, John Dupont, was trying to exercise over what was becoming USA Wrestling and that regional training center was the very footprint I think that many are designed off of today. Except one thing was missing or is missing today, and that's one nut running the. You know, one this this guy was nuts. Yeah, actually, I was I was there for like a month when they had the Olympic training camp in '92. Is that right? Yep. It was. Roger, did you have a relationship at all with John Dupont? Well, you know, we we would pass each other at training location, you know, and we hosted the the you know the freestyle Olympic trials in 1992. Um, you know, so there was passing, but you know, relationship not really. Um, it was more of, you know, here's a great, you know, training location. Here's Dave Schultz and Brian Dolph and Dan Shade and Trevor Lewis and uh, Kevin Jackson and on and on and on you go. <clears throat> you know, those years, um, you know, the, the United States won the world team title, you know, and it really was the, you know, the mecca of training. It happened to be 12 miles, you know, from our campus. And so we had a lot of interaction, you know, with the athletes there. I mean, I think in in essence, it was a regional training center before exactly. there there were regional training centers. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and we had a lot of experience with having Olympic level guys um, in or around you know our program on our staff as assistant coaches. Dan Shade was a longtime assistant coach. Brian Dolph, you know, nine year assistant coach, and you know both guys that were you know to the finals of the Olympic trials, and of course then Brandon wrestled you know Brian in the finals of the trials in two thousand and. You know, so we had that experience and, you know, it obviously, you know, ended tragically. Mm-hmm. Um, we remained, uh, you know, very close with the family. My son actually is named after Dave Schultz and, um, and continue to remain close with, you know, with Nancy and her kids. Um, and it was really in, you know, in the offices, um, you know, at Penn Wrestling where we conceived the, you know, the framework to launch the Dave Schultz Wrestling Club. And, you know, Dan Gable was helpful. He sent out, you know, bylaws to Rico Ciparelli, who was a Foxcatcher guy at the time, and we studied those bylaws and how to create an organization, a nonprofit, and and put the the framework together. Initially, Scott, it was just to support the guys that were Foxcatcher guys through the Atlanta Games, which was only about six months away at that time. It was okay. January, January twenty sixth, nineteen ninety six, um, when Dave was killed. 
And um, so initially, uh, how do we support these guys through the Atlanta game six months later? But then the wrestling community rallied around Nancy and her kids and all of us in a way that was just, I mean, I think only maybe only the wrestling community, at least in my knowledge, you know, could do and was just a cocoon of, of care and um, brought the people, you know, together who, who loved and supported, you know, Dave and the sport. And, and so then that continued. A decision was made, you know, let's continue this through the Sydney games. And, um, and there there were three Schultz Club members you know, who were on the, the U.S. Olympic team. So Brandon Slay was one, and mm-hmm. Terry Colat was another, and Heath Sims and Greco was a third. Wow. Um, all, all three giants. Uh, so there's the little Dave Schultz Wrestling Club formed out of tragedy that was, you know, now serving others. And, you know, that continued through 2004, and at that point Nancy decided to focus more on her family and, and, um, and disbanded the Schultz club at the time. And, and uh, a year later I stepped down as the, as the head coach of Penn, as I said, for, for family reasons of my own. We're talking with Roger Reyna, uh, head coach, you Penn, Pennsylvania regional training center. And one of the absolute leaders of our sport, he gets it. He understands it. He was founded and grounded by his dad, Ruben. Uh, it's just an outstanding story. If you think back and look at the Reyna file, he's Penn's all time winning as coach. He's four-time EIWA team champions coach, eight-time Ivy League champions coach, owns a winning record against all active Ivy League head coaches. Well, you don't have to go far for that. My God, your tenure's <laughs> will almost guarantee that. But you've been able to attract people to either A, come back, be a part of, or lead programs, and you gave the tools, you gave the opportunity to Brandon Slay. What made you choose him? Uh, in terms of running the, the PRTC? Right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when, when we founded the PRTC, and, and I was one of the founders along with several of our alumni, you know, I wasn't coaching at Penn. I wasn't working at Penn. Uh, I was a kind of a volunteer alum who was, I was in the tech startup space, you know, at the time professionally, but, you know, I had the time and flexibility to, to help launch it, and that was August of 2014. Um, and at that time, Brandon, you know, was not on board. He was coaching with USA Wrestling, and he, mm-hmm. he continued, you know, as a national team coach and USA developmental coach you know, through 2016. But then in 2016, Brandon made the decision to, you know, to come to Pennsylvania and returned, you know, to his alma mater and, you know, help lead this, you know, this Olympic Regional Training Center. Um, So it was a really exciting time. And and again, at that point, uh, I was not coaching at Penn. Brandon made that decision independent of, um, you know, what ended up being us working together. He, uh, he came on board, and um, and I at the time was working in Penn's athletic administration. I had just started as a, a senior associate athletic director um, with a variety of responsibilities, and just on the side, I was helping with the PRTC and starting to coach some of those guys um, as we were looking for a head coach. Mm-hmm. And initially, Richard Perry was one of those guys. I thought so. And, and placed at the Olympic trials in 2016 and went down to, to Rio as Kyle Snyder's training partner, and Richard, we felt, was you know, the fastest rising star on the, on the open scene. With the, um, with about three minutes remaining, I'd, I'd, yep. I'd, I would be remiss if we didn't ask you about Jordan Burroughs, how that all took place. But before yep. we do that, the mission of the Pennsylvania RTC is simple, to enrich lives locally and globally through the sport. In doing so, living out core values of faith over fear, full effort, struggle well, and serve others. I think that's pretty simple, right? That's why we were, yep. we were put here. If yep. you think it's anything else, you're absolutely wrong. <laughs> you know, 
And Jordan, we find those uh, yeah, we find those uh, powerful guiding principles, of course. Oh my goodness! All right, uh, Roger, how does how does the Jordan Burroughs conversation begin, or was was that really always part of the conversation? You know, it, it does go back to, to you know 2015, 2016. We started some conversations with Jordan. You know, he grew up in Sicklerville, New Jersey, just 20 minutes from Penn's campus in right. Philadelphia. So, you know, really was an idea of, you know, potentially returning home at some point in his career. And, you know, Jordan, um, you know, obviously had been out in Nebraska training since he was a freshman in college and, um, you know, great loyalty and, um, and, uh, you know, respect for, you know, Brian Snyder and Mark Manning and the program that they built there. And, you know, but I think Jordan clearly at some point wanted to move back home, you know, to, you know, to be with his family, raise his kids near his, you know, his parents and, you know, Lauren, his wife, is from Buffalo, New York, so also more East Coast. And um, so it was, you know, to us, it was a kind of a longer conversation. And ultimately, when it came down to it, um, you know, Jordan, um, you know, made the decision to join the PRTC. And I think there were a lot of questions, you know, can he continue, you know, at this age, 32, you know, like, and, and they moved up a weight class, he moved his family, he changed his training location. Um, but, did, you know, Jordan and Coach Slay's credit, those questions got answered by you know, making another world team and winning another world championship and, and doing it up a weight. I think he's the PRTC's first active senior world medalist, yeah? Yep. Uh, Joey McKenna made the finals of the Olympic trials. Uh, he made the finals of the world team trials this past year. You know, Richard Perry was a U.S. national team member, top three. B.J. Futrell, U.S. national team member, top three. Here's a stat for you, Scott, and the listeners. Every single PRTC senior level athlete has hit a personal best in their career while training at the PRTC. 100%. What kind of water fountain you got there? One of those magic water fountains? <laughs> I love that. That that is a great stat. I'm a stat guy. I love stats. I I really do. And your your stats stand all by themselves as we wrap it up. Um Roger, what what I think I wanted to make sure you understood is that you are so highly respected by those in the media and those around you that are coaches, athletes, parents, etc. I've never heard anybody utter a negative word about you, your career, your family, anything, nothing. And that just tells me there's a ton of respect for what you've accomplished and what you are ultimately going to do. Is and we're trying to remember the the um, former wrestler's name. I interviewed him at Madison Square Garden. And he's the owner of the 76ers. It's Josh something. Josh Harris. Josh yep. Harris. Is he a buddy of yours? He is. Oh, we were actually, I knew we were actually teammates at Penn Wrestling. And <laughs> you know, Josh has gone on to you know an incredible career, not only owning professional sports teams, the Sixers, the New Jersey Devils, but but also a you know, co-founder of Apollo, one of the largest private equity firms in the world. So <laughs> just incredible success. And he's become a, you know an absolute strong supporter of ours. I'm going to have to get him on the show. Warn him, will you? Yeah, we'll give him the heads up. Yeah, let, let him know. I'd like to call, so if you can share that with me, I'd appreciate it, because I think we need to tell the story of the support system as well, especially when they're former teammates. But, Rod, you know we love you. We respect the heck out of you, dude, and uh, we are so glad that your dreams are uh, becoming reality. Uh, everything you touch through hard work and dedication, diligence, etc tends to work out in favor of the sport of wrestling. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Scott, I'm, uh, I'm tremendously appreciative and, and humbled with your words and, uh, excited, 
you know, our, our college team is opening up competition here this weekend at the journeyman, you know, college classic. And man, we've been working <laughs> incredibly hard, you know, over the past four years to build this foundation, you know, with the PRTC and also with our college team. And we got a bunch of guys who are going to start making names for themselves, I think. So I'm really excited for them. If you're going to take a team to, or individuals to compete, you know, at a Frank Papalizio event, you know, you got to be ready. <laughs> Frank, you heard you. <laughs> yep, we open up on Sunday. <laughs> Raj, have a great rest of your day. Best to everybody on staff, team, etc. cetera. Uh, much success continued, by the way, continued success. You can follow the Pennsylvania RTC online at PennsylvaniaRTC.org. You can serve others by serving them. We appreciate it, Roger. Have a great rest of your day, bud. Thanks for making time. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Scott. Thanks to everybody out there listening. One of the Take absolute care. great guys, Roger Reyna. Pablo Bassa in studio. Pablo, we got to go to break. This portion of the show brought to you by Here.com. Great hearing aids at incredible prices. Northwestern Mutual and Wild Rose Casino and Resorts by PBS Landscaping. Now's the time to get in line to have your snow removal taken care of. And, of course, those leaves raked up and all that. They take care of my yard. It always looks so nice. All right. Stay tuned. There's more as we come to you live from 102.1 FM in Des Moines, 1350. This is ESPN Radio. You know you like it. Have no fear. The True American will be right back with more USA Takedown. I think Kira's playing with us, Pablo. Since we've no place to go, let it snow. Let it snow. Let you it bet. Snow, let it, snow. it is snowing here in central Iowa and across the fruited plain, wherever you are listening. We're talking wrestling. So if it's snowing outside, it must be wrestling season, right? Yep. A lot of great competition just getting underway across the country. We'll talk with uh, Doug Schwab here in a little bit. Uh, about um, you and I's changed from last year, sitting in the stands, six of them sitting in the stands plus coaches and watching the finals of the NCAA. They were this close. This close only counts in what? Hand grenades and horseshoes? <laughs> right. Anyway. All right. So, hey, thanks to Roger Rainer. Great first interview. Great way to start the uh, program off. Even better to have Pablo Ubasa in studio. You can uh, uh, check out Pablo as a coach for your kids at ubasatrained.com, right? Yep, that's yeah. it. Yeah. It's, it, you know, if you promote something long enough, you start remembering stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you have some of the coolest gear, by the way. So oh, thanks. people want to wear your gear. Does Ironside set you up with all this stuff? No, it's, uh, um, it's old. It's old? It, no, it's old uh, work, where you used to work. Okay. So we're not going to promote that. Okay. <laughs> but although I would do business with Ironside in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I actually called him for uh, one of my dads had uh, looking for some shoes because his shoes got canceled online. So I called Ironside to see if I had shoes. You know, there's a lot of problem with the supply chain right now, and it is affecting everybody in every walk of life, monetarily, uh, foods. You're going to alter your diet over the next two, four years. You really will. You'll alter your traffic, yeah. how you drive. Everything has changed. We're not sure what. Yes, we are sure why, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the wrestling <laughs> community is very sure as to why things are going the way they're going. But our next guest, in talking with uh, Terry Steiner, uh, I said, you know, I want to put a lot of emphasis this quarter on women's wrestling. And uh, he was in Serbia, I think, when we were talking. 
and he suggested that you know the, the names I proffered to him were correct, but he said one of those that is largely behind the scenes who was uh, who's lived in Bismarck, North Dakota, home of the Steiner brothers, Madison, Wisconsin, and now Colorado Springs is the wife of Terry, but standing alone, it's Zuger. Jody Zuger. She joins us now from Colorado Springs. Jody, good morning. How are you? Hey. Good morning. Good Happy morning. Friday. <laughs> it is Friday. Sometimes I it think it's Friday. Saturday. <laughs> I really yeah, do. I think Friday, Friday Saturday. We did the show so long on Saturday mornings. It it really it's it's been a hard change for me. When you are flying with Delta and you're in yeah. Amsterdam or wherever you are in probably some of the be- most beautiful cities uh and countries in the world. Um, is it hard for you to adapt your biological, phys- physiological clock to local time and then get back in the air and go do it again? Absolutely not. I think, you know, it's, it becomes your lifestyle, right? So um, <coughs> I've always just acclimated to wherever I'm going, right, and whatever I'm doing. So even when I, when I go out and do six, nine-day trips, <coughs> 11-day trips, I would come back, and I would immediately get back on U.S. time. Wow. The only time that that, what's really odd is when Terry's in Europe and I'm in Europe, which doesn't happen too often (laughs) because we've always worked around that, and we're talking at the same time during the day. That's kind of odd. (laughs) But um, You guys go together like a hand in glove. I swear to goodness, this... This marriage, this relationship had to have happened. Otherwise, God would not have been happy, okay? This was a marriage made in heaven. I don't know. Did you have a love for the sport before uh, Uh, even getting to know Terry? Absolutely not. No. No. I will be completely honest with you. I had never seen a wrestling (laughs) match before I met Terry. I had never. You know, there again, you you know. Pablo's in the studio this morning. Pablo Ubasa. Hey, Pablo. And How's it going? Huge fan of yours, uh, your husband, <laughs> your brother-in-law, et cetera, et yeah. cetera. But this is it's so cool when a husband offers his wife as being one of those movers and shakers in our sport that really doesn't have a background in it. For that matter, I didn't have a nope. background in it before I got to Iowa, right? But we've yeah. been able to affect change. You obviously have been able to affect change. As a matter of fact, just a couple of weeks ago, you received the prestigious Betty Award during the WLAG Gala. Talk to us about yeah. that because quite an honor. Well, you know, <clears throat> first that WLAG Gala is pretty phenomenal. I think Sally has done an incredible job with that program. That's a lot of work, yep. you know, a lot of, a lot of work. Um, and so, excuse me, I have um, <clears throat> a little bit of a tickle in my throat today, so my apologies in advance. You're doing great. But <clears throat> the Betty Award, what I think is absolutely cool about that is this is the first year, you know, and what I love about that award is there are so many people that do so many things um, in this sport and have worked so hard, you know, in the gender diversity realm of um, the sport of wrestling that I think it's really cool because all of a sudden it's like <clears throat> Jody Zuger gets elected and nominated for that. And 
I am usually the one following awards for our team and for our women. I expect nothing, but there are certain people that do those things each and every day, and they're not even realize they're doing it. I like to say it's not a coach's wife award. No. Because there was a Joey Zuger prior to it, you know, that had, you know, strong thoughts on opportunities and females and, and I, you know, raised my daughter in a certain way. And so I like to say it's not a coach's wife's um, award. Coaches' wives work very hard, and it doesn't matter what sport it is or how big the program is. You can have a high school sport. You can have a Division One um, sport. A wife um, is kind of pretty much the backbone of the family and, and supporting the team. So um, I'd like to take that a little bit away from that. But uh, it was pretty special. You know, I Sally had talked to me a couple of days before. Sally Roberts. Yeah, Sally Roberts, and <clears throat> she wanted to know if I had received something, and I said no. So it was it was pretty <laughs> humbling, you know, in the least bit. Yeah, it was pretty special. So the Betty pretty Award, special. for our listeners out there across the country, uh, the Betty Award honors a devoted steward of women's <clears throat> wrestling, a trusted spokesperson of the Wrestle Like a Girl movement who has significantly enhanced the women's wrestling landscape through philanthropic efforts and volunteerism well you've established and helped to establish really i think you're the grounding of it establish a culture of caring and class i think describing you as a moral compass at the very inception of women's olympic wrestling plants planting seeds of gender equity this is huge for me because all along for 30 years we've been beating the drum about women's wrestling what it can do to the sport of wrestling too many for too many years, generational, the doors have been shut to women. Now women are standing there holding the doors open for the return of men's wrestling. And I think that is so cool. We have some of the most dedicated athletes, whether it's Helen Marulis or Adeline Gray or Taylor O'Donnell, who's now retired, obviously, but people I admire so much because of the way they've done it against all odds. And you know this, Jody, against all odds, women's wrestling <laughs> has become the fastest-growing sport on high school and college campuses around the country. Are you yet amazed yeah. at this, as many of us in the media are, or is this just the next logical step? It's the next logical step, I think, for us. I think we'd have to honestly tell you that um, our, our cadet results, our junior results, and our Olympic results, they were just, quite melancholy this year. It was, it was the moment that I do believe I just kind of sat back and went, here it is. <clears throat> here it is. We're here. We're mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's no stopping. There's no stopping us now. I mean, I think anytime you get involved in, in the story is told with Terry and when we were in Madison and, stepping into the program, we just, I personally just never, we never really looked back. And that's true. when I spoke at that Betty Award, you know, Terry was just talking about it last night. Did I lose his negotiating power? But I, this, this just seems to be our fit. Is it our fit forever? Absolutely not, because there are such great, 
strong women that are coming through the program that are, that are able to coach and able to lead and able to lead a national program and an Olympic movement. So we will not be here forever, but this is, this is exactly where um, I want to be right now. Mm. I would have, I never really saw that in the next 20 years, but you know, at that point I never saw Raven being 20 years old either, you know, so we just <laughs> went with it and you know, the women were our family and, and this program was our family and our, you know, parents supported us and our, our good fans supported us. Um, and I saw that with Terry, I, I, I was blown a little bit blown away was we, we be at NCAAs and there were people that have been fans with Terry Steiners for years yeah. and they would just walk right by us. And I'd be, and Terry go, Jody, don't worry about it. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't, don't worry about it. So I, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think we're here and I think, um, we've proven ourselves and, you know, example, Iowa program you're going to have twice as many really good wrestlers as you had before, right. you know, with the women's program. Yeah. Um, you think uh, the way Perry handled everything, um, like a trickle down effect of, you know, bringing women's wrestling into the forefront of, uh, wrestling for the forum. Yeah. Right? What are your without thoughts on a doubt. that? Without but, a doubt. Cause Terry really was out and about in terms of his support for women's wrestling, making sure it wasn't just a feature that it was part of the effort. I mean, I think Terry, yeah. if anybody, uh, both Terry Steiner and Terry Brands got it right. Yeah. In a big way. Yeah. 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 Without a doubt. I mean, Terry is, Terry, you know, as he's led our family as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, just, I don't even know how to explain it. He, you know, he, he did, he did tell Rich, you know, I'll take the position for a couple of years, mm-hmm. but I will tell you what, when you have such an eager, every coach wants eager athletes. Right. They want someone who's coming in that wants to learn, mm-hmm. that wants to do better, that wants to, I mean, this women's program was exactly that. I mean, they, they wanted to do better. The people who were involved in that program prior to us that had worked so hard as well, they wanted better things. So we kind of stepped into a, a, an opportunity. The opportunity was ours um, to be able to step into a program that, you know, wanted to be cultivated and was open to learn. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was the best coaching scenario for Terry to step into. Well, was it, here's you know? the, I think we need to look at it for what it is. Women's wrestling, when Terry stepped into that spot – even if it was a short-term favor for Rich Bender, for sure. You know, not a lot of folks uh, really understood how much we would come to depend on women's wrestling and hope, the hopes and dreams of all these young ladies. They've come through your home. You've opened up your home. You've cared for them at their highs and their lows, and you've dried a lot of tears. I've got to believe you buy Kleenex at Sam's Club. Because yeah, this, you know, this is a very emotional sport. Oh, it is. But women save wrestling, if tell you the truth. Absolutely. This There is yeah. zero question in my mind. Yeah. When we took the opportunity to build this show some 30 years ago, when we took that opportunity, 
we understood that wrestling, in fact, was dying, okay? And if we were going to grow this sport exponentially across the country and around the world, if we were going to be an impact player, we'd have to have somebody like Terry Steiner as a head coach and an incredibly strong partner in life, and that's his wife, Jody. Jody is a recipient of the Betty Award, which is exceedingly prestigious. Um, I still remember the first time I got the Golden Mike Award, the Ed Aliberti Award. You know, it's it's so special to be recognized by your peers. And in fact, that's exactly what happened here. The history of Olympic women's wrestling cannot be written without your name being all over it. And I think, Jody, that's perhaps the greatest uh, accolade I can give you is that you've done everything so quietly and behind the scenes. But Terry is your first one that will ever say, the first guy, first person to stand up for you and say, but did you know about Jody? <laughs> did you know? When I started my research on you for this interview, I yeah. will tell you that there was a lot of stuff I didn't know, okay? There was a mm-hmm. lot of stuff I didn't know. But the impact you've had on our sport, on the women in our sport, and how we see women's wrestling, in, in part and mostly because of your efforts, and with that, I must say thank you so very much. Um, you know, if you've got any extra frequent flyer mileage on Delta or a buddy seat, uh, <laughs> let me know because I love to fly and it shows. I don't know if that's yeah. your slogan, but yeah. I'm a Delta guy. Well, you know, Delta is now the official carrier for the U.S. Olympic teams. Yeah, they were going to so, almost yeah. were a carrier for COVID, but we they decided against that one. Hey, yeah, yeah, okay. we did our best. But, you know, United had that United had that contract for years and years. Yep. Even when Terry and Troy were competing, you know, United had the contract. So I thought it was a huge feat in itself for Delta to yeah. get that, and I hope we do it right, you know. Well, um, I've told I have you faith my, in my company. I've, I've told you my off-air stories about Delta and the uh, Honor Guard and things like this, and I've expressed yeah. it on the show. But yeah. up against the clock, my friend, thank you so very much for your okay. leadership. Thank you so much for your friendship. Thank you for picking out cool shirts for Terry to wear. Nobody there dresses finer than he does. Very European, but you know what? If my wife's picking yep. it out, I'm wearing it. <laughs> well thanks so much have a great weekend god bless you and your family kid Pleasure keep doing what mine. you're doing thank you so much there she goes thank you jody is uh one of those and you know what the more i look at her the more i realize she really hadn't been behind the scenes she is the scene yeah you know that's it that's it she doesn't want anything for what she does she just does it because she likes doing it for others well this is like the steiners you know they just lead by just Quietly. Yeah, quietly. Yeah, they don't beat each other's drum. You know, they could, coming out of Bismarck, North Dakota, and becoming the champs that they have been, and now the coaches that they are. All right, stay tuned. There's more. Pablo Bassa in the studio. You're listening to USA Takedown only on ESPN. Stay tuned. All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Joe Rogan said, that stuff is awesome. I just ordered a ton of it and use it every day. Defense Soap, it's what the pros use.
right, welcome back to the show. USA Takedown, Pablo Basta, Scott Casper, Kira Jones. As soon as I mentioned Kira Jones, the band goes nuts. I don't know what's up with that. But anyway, thank you so much um, to our last guest. Uh, she's not just the wife of, you know, and I think that's it's incredibly special to note that she's not just the wife of Terry Steiner. She's had an impact on our sport. Jody's, and, and you pronounced it Zuger, right? Yeah, Jody Zuger Steiner. Mm-hmm. A Betty Award, the WLAG Gala. What a recognition, well-deserved. All right, next up. Um, if you're in broadcasting, as long as I've been, and dare I say our next guest has been in a little bit longer than me, his impact on the, on uh, on not just Iowa, but television across the country, radio across the country, as a broadcasting executive, as one of the top salespeople I've ever known, as one of the top on-air people I've ever known, has written a book. It's called Hanging, I'm sorry, Hanging with Winners. We actually talked about this on the phone. Yeah, it's H-A-N-G-I-N. It's called Hanging with Winners. Our guest, the author, Ray Cole. Ray, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning to you, Scott. Thank you so much for being a honest-to-goodness leader for our industry and our business. We need people with solid core values. We need people that believe that we can be even better than we already are. I got to watch you and Stan Reynolds work side by side and and put your best foot forward in terms of the Variety Club of Iowa raising how much is it now? It's it's a ton of money. And yeah. for the benefit An- of annually annually they think the amount's well over four million dollars a year now. A year. Pretty uh, a pretty impressive uh, effort every year. Yeah. And and much as we miss Jody, Stan carries on. Now the now the kids obviously are doing their job. But this is really um, the jumping on point for me and my admiration for you. What you've been able to do is take a lifetime of connections along with all of that that you learned and remembered from all the people you've interviewed and put together a book uh, of what I call captains of the sport, captains of the world of broadcasting. And you did it almost um, to the point of being... Like George Stephanopoulos, by the way, former wrestler, right? He is tenacious in his ability to get to a point, a task at hand. He's an amazing guy, but he respects the heck out of you. I, yeah. I don't even well, know. I, I remember my very first interviews of big stars, but were you ever nonplus? Were you ever surprised by the person sitting in front of you or on the other side of the camera? Oh, I don't know that I would say surprise, but uh, there are certainly those people who you, um, I think, uh, can, you, with which you hold with a certain amount of uh, in awe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you, you you don't sit down to breakfast or lunch, as I've done several times with Diane Sawyer, and not think about um, just uh, how special a role she has played in broadcast journalism. Uh, I was best to spend time with uh, Barbara Walters, similarly, uh, no greater trailblazer. Um, for for women in our business than Barbara, for sure. Uh, I'm currently working on a project with Leslie Visser. Uh, she is, in my view, the Barbara Walters of sports journalism, the only woman to ever receive the Sports Emmys Lifetime Achievement Award. She was the first woman to be inducted into the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. So um, there's a lot of insights in the book Scott, from people like that. Uh, there's a lot of people, there's 32 profiles that make up this book, but we interviewed close to 70 or 80 uh, people, and there's so much more 
uh, in the book uh, than what's in the profiles. And I think the profiles, I hope people will come away thinking uh, they learned something about people. But I've been asked a lot what my purpose in writing the book was, and I made it clear it wasn't to dispense or dole out advice uh, per se, as much as it was to simply share stories, anecdotes that flow from all of the diverse connections uh, that I've been able to uh, develop uh, over the years. Uh, and I'm humbled to reflect back on the myriad relationships with winners, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, that I was able to forge over the course of a you know, five-decade career in broadcasting. So mm-hmm. I looked at something last night knowing that we were going to talk today. Right. Uh, I, I know how important wrestling is to you. <laughs> so if you'll indulge me, Scott, yes. I pulled up the transcript from a wonderful interview we did with Bob Bowlesby. Now, okay. your listeners may know Bob Bowlesby. He, he's from Waterloo, Iowa. He was at the University of Northern Iowa as an AD, and then he became the AD at the University of Iowa. Mm-hmm. And then he moved to Stanford, and then he moved to his current position, which is commissioner of the Big 12 Conference. Like almost everyone that my writing partner and I interviewed, Rob Gray and I interviewed, we asked uh, who were the mentors in his life, who made a difference in his life. And almost uniformly, people would would cite their parents, their families, and in many, many cases, their coaches. And as I went back, I I thought I remembered it because it's not in the book, but I knew it was in the transcript. I wanted to share it with you uh, this morning. And that is he talked about his father and he talked about his high school wrestling coach. Uh, his, his name was Bob Sidens, uh, and he talked about the influence that those two had on his life. He also happened to be best friends of Bob Sidens, the coach's son, Scott. Uh, but the mentorship and the influence that this coach had on him and what wrestling did for him was amazing. He talked about how wrestling is its such a lonely sport, or at least it can be. There's nobody that's going to help you other than perhaps your coach from 25 feet away. And he talked about the loneliness and what that does and what that builds in the way of character traits, especially when things aren't going the way you want it to. Right. And you learn self-reliance and you learn perseverance and you learn resiliency. Uh, and Bob talked about wrestling as a sport that's built upon day after day after day of conditioning and how hard it is to get your beat one night and have to get up in the morning and do a running workout. Mm. And he talked about Bob Sidens uh, this way. He he referred to what he calls Sidenisms, and those were things that he learned from his high school wrestling coach that he that he employs to this day. Mm-hmm. And that is, and one I think is very relevant, as I'll explain. And one of those Sidenisms was very simple: don't ever take a back seat to the other guy. Mm-hmm. And what he meant by that is, you can go out there and you can compete, but don't you ever convince yourself you can't compete. And, you know, and what Bob conveyed is that that's so applicable to an awful lot of circumstances later in life, and that he talked about how he's had the opportunity to compete against some of the biggest uh, uh, people, if you will, uh, with great influence in college athletics, uh, and, and has had to negotiate with them and with networks and so forth. And he would say, and I always remember what Coach Sidens was saying, don't ever take a back seat to them. So now we interviewed him back in early 2020 for the book. Now you think about 2021 and what challenges the Big 12 Conference has faced uh, with the departure of of Oklahoma and Texas. Mm -hmm. And one of the things the book draws uh, uh, spends a lot of time laying out for people is how important it is. It's not just about winning. It's also about losing. It's about uh, taking failure and setbacks and bumps in the road and learning from them. And really, he, he, we talk in the book uh, through the people we interviewed and through the 
wisdom that's embedded in the various profiles. We talk about not just accepting failure, but actually embracing adversity. And I would connect all those dots for you. Bob Bowlesby, what he learned as a young boy uh, wrestling in Waterloo, Iowa, has certainly paid off for him throughout his career. And I can't imagine that he took a back seat to the University of Texas or Oklahoma University uh, when they dropped that bombshell at his feet uh, earlier this year. Uh, a lot of people were wringing their hands. I don't think Bob, I don't think Bob Bowlesby was one of them. I don't think athletic directors in the conference at the other schools like Jamie Pollard were either. And I think that they know that you have to take challenges head on. Right. And I think where the Big 12 Conference is going to come out uh, of all of this uh, is pretty um, is in a pretty good place. Change is uh, constant. The schools they're bringing in. I think the Big 12 Conference has a great future. I do, too. Change is constant. Pablo, you know this, uh, being a member of the Big Ten, et cetera, for all these years, in-studio guest Pablo Ubasa. Um, our, our guest is Ray Cole. You you talk about Bullsby. You talk about his brother, Coach Siddons, his family, and what he learned in his early years. And one of my favorite conversations always is with Bob, because even in the face of it all, you know, he was saying wrestling is challenged right now. We need to do this, this, and this. And by goodness sakes, if we didn't start doing this, this, and this, as Bulls be projected out for us, and in terms of a challenge, it has become real and true. By the way, the book, you should get it. For those in your life, it's Christmas giving time. Make sure you buy these in abundance. It's called Hanging with Winners. Our guest is the author, Ray Cole. Uh, we're, by the way, the book is filled with, uh, incredible commentary and observations and, and, uh, stories, advice from, you know, guys like Bob Iger from Disney, uh, Bob Woodruff, uh, Teddy Koppel. Uh, but the one that stands out for me perhaps is Michael J. Fox. Why is he involved in this book? And, you know, was that a, was that a hard ask for, uh, for you and well, that relationship? Well, Scott, Michael's one of my favorite people. Uh, we first met uh, when he was starring in a show on ABC called Spin City. Uh, we met at an affiliate meeting in Orlando, Florida. Um, and then it was a short time later. That program, primetime program, had moved into the top ten um, when when he learned that he had Parkinson's. Wow. And he was able to keep that quiet for a period of time, and then it uh, he was going to be outed by the New York Post. You know, not, we're not always proud of our fellow journalists, are we? No, no, sir. Um, and <laughs> so Michael came out and, and made it very public on his own terms uh, and didn't let the Post do that to him. Uh, but we stayed in touch. And then, um, you know, I invited him to uh, Des Moines in 2009. He played as my guest in the Principal Charity Classic Pro-Am. I love telling the story how Michael never took up the game of golf until after being diagnosed with Parkinson's. That wow. tells you a lot about him. <laughs> uh, he took it on as a challenge. Uh, and then uh, we we have played in maybe a half a dozen other outings together. Just this past summer, uh, George Stephanopoulos and I were partnered at his Michael J. Fox Parkinson's Research Foundation golf outing in at Wingfoot, the famous course north wow. of New York City up in Westchester. Michael couldn't play with us, but he was there. We we raised, uh, I think it was $4 million for his foundation that one day. Um, and so he is someone that I've been, uh, the, the book is filled with people that I say enrich my career, and in many cases, like Michael, bless my life. And uh, and that certainly applies to him. I nominated him for the, uh, the highest honor in our industry, the National Association of Broadcasters, 
presents uh, at its uh, big convention in Vegas every year, the Distinguished Service Award that was presented to Michael after I nominated him in 2010 or 11, I believe it was. And uh, we just stayed in touch at different events, different ways. Uh, he has a big gala in New York every year my wife and I've been to, and uh, he is a special person. He, uh, you know, most of the profiles start with a quote. Sometimes they quote the quote is the person being profiled. Most of the times it's somebody talking about the person being profiled. In Michael's case, I used a quote from him, and it was from one of his books that he's written. And it, and the, the book was called "A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Future." <laughs> and the quote that I listed at the top of the profile for him was very simple: "Life is a ride. Strap in, hang on, and keep your eyes wide open." Wow. And so. That, that's a pretty good life philosophy. It's one that he's embraced. One of the great things we had the pleasure to do is to not only talk to winners, but we talk to winners about other winners. And I mentioned, you know, George Stephanopoulos is a very close friend of Michael's. Mm-hmm. We interviewed George about Michael, and he said to us uh, in the interview, uh, you know, Michael is just an awful lot of fun to be around, and you'd never know the burdens he's carrying because he addresses the challenges with his famous optimism. And he maintains that not in a saccharine way, but in a way that's rooted in reality. Mm-hmm. It does not deny what's happening or deny what he's dealing with, but rather he puts it in perspective. Michael shows everyone the importance of perseverance and hope while addressing what life throws at you. I just, I'm, I'm just always it's amazed wonderful. how Michael takes challenges and he turns them into platforms mm-hmm. for growth. And he does it in a way that inspires others. When he played golf at Glen Oaks Country Club, in that outing for the Principal Charity Classic in 2009, there were many, many Parkinson's patients out there following us around. There were many, many caregivers for Parkinson's patients that were there. I can't tell you, as we walked around that day, watching these people who were following us, how he inspired them. Mm. It, it, is, uh, it, it is an amazing thing that he does, uh, turning his challenges, as I said, into platforms for growth that inspires others. I know that uh, your wife, Susan, my wife, Susan, <laughs> our, the similarities in our background are amazing, really. I grew up in my dad's gas station learning, as you say, Midwest values and work ethic. You did that at your father's grocery store. Sure did. And yep. you, I got to believe your kids are proud of you, too, Christy, Brittany, uh, Brandon, and your grandchildren, Jackson, Addison, Grayson, and Caden. Um, and Hayes. Don't forget Hayes. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> He's the one-year-old. I'm t- I'm so you know, sorry. that one-year-old could be listening, Scott. Don't leave I, I, No, it could be that one guy. <laughs> he's the one guy going to get a book. He's going to get a book. He's got to write it down. He's going to take his $2, two Chris Dollar. Did you ever think that the Arbitron ratings would now be a $2 payment, not a $1 payment? Never thought. <laughs> quite candidly, I never thought that Arbitron ratings would still even be around at this point. <laughs> Me either. I think the Gallup poll suggested that it's probably not even a you know it's i don't even think it's a thing anyway listen it's always good to talk to you ray it's been far too long my friend but the book hanging hanging with winners folks it's available you want to get several of them available at your local hyvee food stores amazon barnes and noble and other major retailers it started october 5th but as we make our way to christmas this is an amazing book inspire those in your life with the words and, of course, the authorship of one Ray Cole, Hanging with Winners, one of those in my life that I admire so very much. Ray, we love you. Happy uh, fourth quarter. Happy first snow day. And uh, we're looking forward to keeping up with you online to make sure that uh, 
Everybody knows about this book. It's outstanding. Awesome. Happy Thanksgiving and uh, and a great holiday season to follow. You be well, Scott. You too, buddy. There we go. Ray Cole. You know, we, we didn't scratch the surface of everything he's done, all the awards he's received for a lifetime of achievement, even if it's behind the scenes. He's never been out there beating his own drum. Other people are more than happy to do it for him because that's the kind of quality individual he is. Kira Jones producing our show today. That's the end of our number one. Pablo Ubasa remains for the second hour, and I hope you do too. All right, stay tuned. We'll be back. There's more. Our number two is coming up next of USA Takedown. This is ESPN. All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Two-time world champion Terry Brand said, we use it in our showers and in our room. Defense Soap, it's what the pros use. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by choir All right, Kira. Um, so you started the uh, winter-type music, Christmas, the holidays, season, etc. It's really upon us. By the way, next week, we're going to be talking about a holiday classic. It's called Thanksgiving Throwdown. UFC legend Johnny Case will be in studio. His company now used to be part of mine. But uh, we're going to talk MCC Thanksgiving Throwdown. I'll be a part of that, and we hope you do, too. And we hope you are, too, I should say. Hey, Ray Cole, what an interview. Um, ask him one question. You get a 15-minute long answer, and it was, it was wonderful. That's gold right there. Yeah, you I know. thought he was a freaking wrestler talking i know right what, what what he does he offers up everybody else's you know he applauds everybody else he applauded uh bob bowlesby and, and uh, coach siddons uh and so many others michael j fox etc but there are so many people in his life that he looks up to obviously well we all look up to ray cole thank you ray what a great guy board member broadcasters foundation of america board member security national bank of sioux city Board of Governors, ABC TV, board member, National Association of Broadcasters. There's one of the organizations that Ray Cole is a part of, okay, that has literally given out millions and millions of dollars to former broadcasters that have fallen on hard times, okay? Whether they need a ramp on the front of their house, a kitchen that is okay for somebody in a wheelchair, okay? Could be 85, 100,000 bucks, doesn't matter. You make, uh, you know, grant application, they're going to look at it and they vote on it. And and it's amazing the people they've helped. So Ray Cole, absolutely a giant in our life in broadcasting. Thank you, Ray. All right. Uh, we, we're, we're going to switch up and talk a little bit about college wrestling. It was six wrestlers in a group of coaches sitting in the stands at the Enterprise Center in St. Louis watching other wrestlers wrestle last March at the NCAAs. He's here to talk about that and what an impactful thing that a coach does is take his athletes, set them down and have them watch what they could have been a part of. He joins us now as one of the absolute best people our sport has to offer an incredible coach, great dad, great husband, and a great friend. Doug Schwab joins us. Good morning, Doug. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on Scott. So, you know, having you on the show, I had to ask a guy that knows you quite well into the studio as a special guest host. And of course I'm talking about the great one. 
Pablo Ubasa. I don't know if I'm great, but <laughs> Pablo, how you doing, man? Good, how are you? <laughs> you thought I was going to say Mark Ironside, but no. No, no I mean, I, you, I figured Lubu, because Lubu, I mean, that's what he called himself. So Is he out of the hospital yet? I, I, yeah. I called I, him. I'm, he's out. Okay. I did call him at the hospital. I said, how you doing? He said, I'm in the hospital. I said, I know. That's why I'm calling you, Lubu. <laughs> <laughs> but he had a, a heart issue, lost a little bit of movement. But uh, knowing him, he'll get it all back and then some, you know. Yeah, right? absolutely, man. I know. Thinking about him and and, uh, and glad that he's out and look mm-hmm. forward to seeing him at some meets here coming up. Randy Lewis, we're talking about a Doug Schwab, our guest. Doug, none of the wrestlers that you had setting there, right at the NCAA's last March, uh, enjoyed their perspective. And then you have the conversation uh, with them. Talk about that conversation and why it's so important when you gathered up the group and took them down into the bowels of the Enterprise Center after the placing matches. What was the question you poised to each of those athletes? And what was the general response? I think, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things. Obviously, there's a lot of motion. It's real fresh. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you said some of these guys, they're watching guys that they beat. And it's like, holy you know, hold, hold cow, man, I should, I should be there. I'm that good. Cause you know, a lot of guys don't see themselves there, you know, yet, or they got to beat somebody that they think is good. And then, then they, oh, okay, I can, I can do that. Like I'm trying to get them to understand that, you know, you train and prepare and you're there, you're there maybe weeks, years, months <laughs> ahead of ever even having it happen. You know, you got to talk yourself into it. You got to work yourself into it, but just believing that they're capable of doing that and not selling themselves short in any way, shape, or form. And, you know, I think guys felt that a little bit. And, and you know, we really just got to guys open up and talk about the season and things that they want to do moving forward. You know, and really, to me, that was the biggest thing is always going to be response. How yeah. do you move forward? How do you, how do you learn from something? And then, you know, okay, why didn't you get, you get what you wanted? Mm-hmm. More than anything, what are you going to do about it moving forward? <laughs> and then reminding, reminding guys of that of that conversation because sometimes when you get away from something, the sting, the sting leaves a little bit, you know, the, the pain, the pain's not quite as, as harsh. And then, you know, you kind of forget and you're not as inspired as you were in March. And we got to keep them, we got to keep them, you know, even reminded the guys the other day, you know, of, of that. And that's, that's a little piece of keeping you, I guess, on, on that edge and moving forward and reminding them really more than anything, how, how dang good they are, man. I see it just, they got to trust it. Yeah, like um, that's how the kids that I coach now is the same thing. It's kind of weird the way you said it because college wrestlers are supposed to be at elite level. And what was the difference like with you when you came in to Iowa? Mm-hmm. You know, you are inside, and I was around still. And your mentality, like you guys used to be, like <laughs> you know, you get taken down or put to your back, and the next thing you know, it you're up in the guy's face. <laughs> And it's, yeah. kids don't do that now. Like they get taken down, they cry, and they they feel sorry for themselves. But this is what I asked you one time when I seen you: is this how do you get? What was the difference between you and everybody else, or Iron said and everybody else? Like your mentality um, that's growing yeah, up for what? That's a that's not an easy because <laughs> each, each individual obviously is different, man. And I can't tell you that I mean, we do have kids like that. We do have kids that they keep coming back. And, and to me, it's just, it's, it's how much you trust 
in the people you're around in the process? Do you really truly believe it? Or are you just kind of saying that, you know, and then kind of try, trying to talk yourself into it, man. I, I trusted in the coaches and what was going on and in the people that were around me. I believed in a hundred percent. It was just a matter of time and I was going to do everything I could and keep working. And you know what? And you know, you saw signs of it. I saw little things that started to happen. Um, you know, even in practice and you're getting a takedown, a guy you wouldn't have got a takedown, but man, for me, it was, I'm going to do everything I can as well as I can within my control. And I'm going to do everything those older guys are doing. You know, I actually had a guy ask me the other day, cause you know, kind of going to red shirt. And I'm like, red shirt is red shirt. Isn't red shirting progress. Doesn't red shirt. So try to do everything those guys did. I mean, heck, I remember even sitting in, in the saunas and it was just the guys going to big tens. I'm like, Hey, can I, can I come in? <laughs> Cause I want to do everything like those guys were doing and I want to be prepared as I possibly could. And I knew that, man, this 24 hours, this is just as important as the next 24 hours. And if I'm going to wait till next season or I'm going to wait till March and now all of a sudden I'm going to turn on, that's crazy. That is crazy thinking. It's, it's got to, like I said, it's got to happen. Sometimes it's years, <laughs> it's years in advance um, of you really getting what you want and you got to be willing to stick with it. But man, I just, I don't know. I really truly trusted in, in, who I was around and man, I was, I was raised really well. Yes, <laughs> you know, sure. My parents, my, my, my parents instilled some things in me as far as just, just fight. And I had a couple brothers that helped really guide me and, um, you know, give me, give me feedback of things that would, would, that would help make me successful at the next level, man. And I listened to it. So I think guys just got to listen and trust more. They don't see the instant reward or gratification and they're like, well, this doesn't work. It's like, well, yeah, oh, you've been doing it for a week. Do you think it's going to work because you did it for a week? And, I, and I've told, you know, I've told a few guys, it's like, how about, you know, let's go, let's go six months from now. Cool. Stay on this plan, stay on this plan for six months, and then, and then we'll see, we'll see if you, if, if you're any better, if you feel any different. You feel different, and and you know, I haven't had a guy yet that's been like, oh, I don't feel different now. It's like, oh, okay, so you just got to stick with things a little bit longer, maybe. Well, it's then, like dieting, and, right? I mean, dieting and, and people he, expect all to lose all of it. twenty, thirty pounds in a short period of time. They didn't put. 20 to 30 pounds on their frame in a short period of time is generally a lifetime of bad decisions. Yeah. Breaking down a wrestler's activity, practice, competition, mindset, everything. I asked Gable this. I said, how is it you know how to coach each and every one of these individuals? This is why I do it individually. Yeah. He said, every wrestler has a button I love to push. And that's what makes them better. Yeah, like for you, Suave, when you... uh like every practice, when you got done with practice, you had the gratification you, you improved that day. I know I could mm -hmm. see it, even Ironside and you know all those guys younger than me or older than me. But kids nowadays, they come to practice and they don't get that gratification. And I'm trying to instill this in my kids, and and I'm still figuring out how these kids, they go through hard work, but they don't understand the process, and they think, they got to go to something else or there's a magic potion. But. Move, move on, move on. But yeah, I think you got to keep finding the, the right ones and keep, you know, keep articulating and showing them and, and get them to understand that, and this, that it will make a difference in their life. And I know, I know you'll do that. I know you'll stick with them. And that's the thing is like some, you know, some of these guys haven't had anyone that's really stuck with them or, you know, believed in them long enough for them to break through. I mean, heck, you know, the, you're talking about kids. I'm talking about 18 to 22 year olds. Right. Like, uh -huh. You know, they're trying to figure out a whole, whole lot of things. They got a lot of changes going on. And heck, you know, we even even us, you know, we're talking about being being adults. There's still 
There's still no things. There's still things that we, we battle with, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a lifetime thing. You know, that's what I'm trying to get guys to understand, like what they're becoming, who they're trying to become. It's a lifetime process. It's not, it's not just, you know, these few years, like we're, we're trying to help prepare them for life way beyond, way beyond wrestling. Well, you, you know? you, you've done that with great kids. You are able to recognize incredible talent. Obviously you've been around it all your life, but you look at the faith you put into Brody Teske. Okay. He's going to be definitely entering the season in the top eight, if not the top six. Austin Yant, Tristan Lara, Lance Runyon, Carter Isley, okay, this, and in a very competitive weight class, heavyweights. Um, and yet, every one of these guys took a vote, okay? And there's no secret here. You have two team captains. Why two? Uh, it was, I mean, they they got the most votes by far. <laughs> you know, I, I asked the team, they said vote for, you know, they could vote for up to three guys and, those two guys were, the numbers were head and shoulders above everyone else. And there's some other guys that, that, that got quite a few votes, but it just, to me, it was, it was clear. And then what I told those guys that were on that fringe is go make it undeniable next year. So, mm-hmm. so next year when, you know, when I asked for these names, it's like your, your name's on every single one of them, you know, and, and you do that, you do that with how you train, how you live, how you follow through. And obviously the things that we talk about are, that are important to our team. Um, and, and not doing it just for a week. I mean, you're, you don't become a captain in a week. No, nope. become a captain because because of how you've trained and lived for a, a hell of a long time, and all your team recognizes it. Lifetime of good decisions. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking with Doug Schwab, head coach of the Panthers of UNI. The pieces are in place for UNI to have one of the best seasons the Panthers have ever had under your tutelage, including All American Parker. And I want to say his name is Kekison. Kaizen. Yep. Kaizen. Okay. Yep. He's leading the charge for you and the squad. Talk about the importance that he, um, uh, you know, plays in the whole scheme of things. Well, I think there's a, there's a whole lot of things. I mean, you know, you talked about him being uh, a captain and it's because of the work that he does, how he trains, how he lives, how he follows it, how he follows through every day. And it's not once in a while. I mean, it's, it is every, it's every day. <laughs> it's, it's every, it's every day. You know, Paul, you're asking some things, man, not, I took pride in always being the last guy every day, no matter what, I was going to be the last guy. There's no one, no one was going to outwork me. I mean, this wasn't going to happen and made that choice a, a long time ago. And I, Parker's, he's been doing the same dang thing. And, you know, he's, he's two years in and he places a freshman. Um, and, you know, our team saw, obviously he, I talked about a little bit, he lost a wrestle off match and he never panicked. He never wavered. He just went back to work. And he trusted trusted in himself and and coaches in the process, and you know, heck, then he won he won every match up until the semifinals. <laughs> he got third in the country as a freshman, and you wow. know, people are like, "Well, well, who the hell is this guy? I never, never, where did he come <laughs> from?" It's like, well, when when like I said, you know, you you know some things, and you see things that other people don't see, and you know, these guys are all worried about where this guy was ranked, or you know, that oh, he guys kind of expected maybe from other teams but i don't know if they expected from our team you know like uh, but i know we do and by I know the way the, the answer to the question is who is this kid where does he come from the simple answer is he comes from the west gym <laughs> all right why does why is the west gym so romantic to you to me uh to so many sandy stevens why what is it about the west gym there, there's something about it 
And obviously your rooms, offices, et cetera, on the other side of the hall. But in that beautiful hall, uh, I just know that there's something special that having worked there, not nearly as many times as you, obviously, but there's something special about that facility. Can you describe it? Yeah, I just think there's there's character, there's nostalgia. You know, I mean, you go back to almost, it's been 100 years. And, and I think you can feel it when you come in. You're like, oh, man, this place has history. Mm-hmm. You know, because you, everything's... Everything's kind of about shiny and new. Right. And then, you know, it's kind of like Fenway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, they still have some obstructed views and they still have, they kind of have the old with the new. Um, but that's, that's how I feel. And everyone, I mean, we have people come in here weekly that, because, you know, everyone thinks it's a wrestling building. It was, it was all male sports. That's right. Um, you know, back four fifties, all, all those years, you know, and these all these guys ran through here. So, you can really see them. It turns it turns back time in their head. You know, in nostalgia, I mean, that's a and when you can when you can you can feel that and you can feel kind of young again and those memories come back. I just think people love that, and I think that's why people love this building and just the energy that it brings and and then the history that it's had. You know, I mean, you can't. You, I don't know. You can feel it when it comes in, man. There's there's just there's there's character. Nothing there's like going home that, in your heart. Nothing like yeah, going and, home. And why do I love it? I mean. I mean, because of that, because of the history that's been in this building, all the guys that went through the building. Heck, you know, Bill Smith. Oh yeah. He gave, you know, he gave, he gave his, he gave his Olympic medal back, and we have it in the hallway. But he wanted it in the West Gym because it was built in the West Gym. It was done in the West Gym. He did it with those people, and you know, to me, that 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 says everything you need to know about what the West Gym means to the people that have been through it. And 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 you remember this, I'm sure. Olympic trials, Iowa City, Carver Hawkeye, and I'm on the. Mike in the middle of the mat. I got nothing in my hands. Piece in my ear. The truck says we need you to fill for four minutes, and I knew that Bill was there. Mike Chapman had brought him. Yeah. And I introduced him. I said, "Ladies and gentlemen, in our midst is a man who made collegiate uh, back then Iowa Teachers College, but collegiate history. Then got on a boat and went to uh, Helsinki, Finland, and won Olympic gold. Came home." with about $3.50 in his pocket. But <laughs> this man has loved this sport his entire life. And the sport, for a lot of reasons, has loved him. But he's here today, second row from the top, sitting next to Mike Chapman. Ladies and gentlemen, Olympic gold medalist Bill Smith. He stands up, standing even taller than I remember that he could possibly stand. And they gave him a standing ovation that was more than NBC ever asked for. And let me tell you something. That's what wrestling is to me. That's what Panther Power is. Panther Train, inviting you to show up with a purpose. And, Doug, if I was of that age, I'd be fighting for a spot on your team. I'd want to wrestle for you, and so many of them out there do. Thank you for that. No, I, I appreciate it. And I miss, miss Bill, man. He was, man, loved wrestling. He was sharp. He was always on top of everything, knew what was going on. And, and uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a great moment, man. And I know. I know he appreciated that. So that was a that was romantic I know, moment. I know it was a great thing, great thing for him and his family, and I know man, he felt it. So I'm glad you did that for him. Well, it was. <laughs> I had no idea where most of my stuff comes from or when, but I was glad that he was there that day, so I had a chance to recognize him in front of uh, wrestling's faithful. And boy, were they there in in rows and rows and rows of people. The place was full, and uh, what a I don't think there's a more perfect place to do that. And nor is there a more perfect place than this show for you to appear on 
as we are at the very dawning of the season. Doug, best of luck to you and the Panthers. Hard work, obviously, but uh, the Panthers are for real this year. I'm looking forward to seeing the results. Hopefully I'll get up there for a couple of the home openers. Your first home opener is coming up at what? Well, we're, we'll, you and I open to be our first, our first home event, right. um, December, December 11th, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go to Dactronics open next weekend. Um, that's in Brooklyn. Iowa State, Iowa State up and then Iowa State, and then we wrestle Mizzou and Virginia Tech at Missouri. Yep. First, uh, early December. So, yeah, I mean, we, we're going to be, we're going to be battle tested, but that's, uh, that's certainly the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Let's get the Hawkeyes on the schedule. So I can one. Okay. That's a conversation. Everybody wants to have that conversation except Tom Brands. Why is yeah. that? Okay. Well, I don't, I don't know. You have to, no, I'm not. Yeah. Tom, pa- she, pa- <laughs> Pablo, Pablo have a better chance of getting that done than I will. So <laughs> I, doubt, I doubt that very much. <laughs> Doug, we love you best to uh, your whole family, man. The kids watch you and put on the singlets and little tiny wrestling shoes. It's cute for sure. But there's a lot of Schwab pride there, and I love that. Have a great rest of your day, my friend. Thank you for starting right. it with us. All right, Schwab. Yeah, appreciate it. There we go. Bye. What, a, what an outstanding coach. What a fun guy to be around. Love that guy. He's, there's so much about what he does that other coaches could take a lesson from. And that is, as much as he extols the, uh, the virtues of hard work and dedication and all that that goes into Panther Wrestling. Um, there's always an element of fun. He's still having fun. And that's a remarkable thing to say about a wrestler that wrestled and competed with so much intensity as did Doug Schwab. All right, we've got to take a quick time out. You're listening to, um, what is the show called? USA Takedown, right? Okay, and we're on like, uh, I think it's ESPN. Stay tuned. Think you heard everything? Stick around. You ain't heard nothing yet. More USA Takedown after this. Welcome back to the show. It is USA Takedown. Pablo Bassa gracing us with his presence in the studio. Bassa trained camps and clinics and opportunities for each and every one of you in Perry, Des Moines, and Coralville, right? Yep. I got them all right this time? All right. All right. <laughs> all right. So it's that time of year when I do tend to throw a little light, not shade, but light on the authors in our sport because it's they who get it and then they get to write it. Introductory essay by Dan Gable is not a bad place to start. It's, the book is called Advice from Champions. Now, if I'm going to want to fashion my life in such a way that I would have a championship lifestyle, championship mindset, Pablo, I'm gonna, I, I want advice from champions. Exactly. Okay, and you had some of the very best at your disposal from the Dan Gables, the Jim Zaleskis, the Tom and Terry's. And, Doug Schwab. Yeah, oh, my goodness. And who's the little Mr. Muscle? Uh, Whitmer? Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting that those of us that want to get better in our professions, our sport, uh, do surround ourselves with the greatness. And we listen. We don't talk. We listen to what they've got to say. And they have so much to say. Paul Witterman, our guest, he is the editor and essay contributor to that new book called Advice from Champions. He joins us now. Paul, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Is this Scott? I'm... Mm-hmm. Yep, Pablo's over there. I'm over here. It is Scott Casper and Pablo Ubasa. Smart Bell. Oh, is that beautiful. Right? Hi, Pablo. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, this is Paul. I'm thrilled and honored to be on the phone with you guys. Thank and, you. Um, uh, there's a few things I wanted to say before we even get started, if that's okay. Go for it. 
Yeah, uh, first I wanted to thank Takedown Radio for um, having us on the show. I wanted to thank you, Scott. You've been really fantastic in um, nursing us along to make this happen, and Kyra. And then also the West Coast correspondent, Joey Krebs, was one of my high school teammates. Didn't know that. And, yep, we were on the same. He was a sophomore when I was a, a ninth grader when I was a junior. And so um, uh, I didn't know that I sort of became a surrogate older brother to Joey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's been um, also really instrumental to nursing this along and has written an essay in the book. Um, I recruited him to do that because I knew he had such a great story. Oh, yeah. Um, I also wanted to thank Steve Biondolillo. He's um, one of the great um, uh, national leaders in nonprofit marketing and fundraising, but also a wrestler. So he, we've been friends for 30 years, and he's advised us on the editorial team with me and Ken. And so, of course, I want to thank Ken DeStefanis because it, this book was his idea, and it's really turned into an amazing, amazing book that I'm very proud of. Um, and I do want to dive in deeper in that in this um, interview with you guys. Um, but two other people to um, thank before we get started is Nancy Ostrovsky, who's um, artwork adorns the cover with right. her great painting of Dan Gable and all the great wrestling paintings she's done over the years. And then last but not least, in fact, most importantly, are the contributors to the book because uh, there's over 100 com- contributors of every type of wrestler we can imagine. And um, I'm just so inspired by what everybody's done to make this book happen. Now, I'm going to so, gift the, the book that you sent to me. I'm going to gift that. For use only. You don't get to keep it, Pablo, but you're going to take it home, read it, bring it back next time you come to the studio. Promise? Promise. Done. Okay. He said yes. Because I don't oh, turn loose of any of my author's books because, obviously, I'm vested in uh, and interested in their perspective. Your perspective comes as that of being a two-time New York State high school champ, freestyle champ as well, co-captain Harvard, varsity starter there four years. They yes. say it can't uh-huh. be done. Assistant Coach Harvard with Jim Peckham, James Peckham. And yep. then you founded the Harvard Women's Wrestling Club way before anybody thought that was cool. 1989 is where you started. And then yeah. your wrestling camps, the Kids Wrestling Club. Heck, in 83, 84, I remember you moved to Iowa to train with Gable and the Hawkeye Club. That's exactly when I left Iowa City. But Gable made that room my home kept me in school. I think you've surrounded yourself with excellence, okay, whether it was with Lugiani or, or it didn't matter, Gable, obviously, but you've been able to rise above it all. Currently one of the great challenge guys out there. You wanted your voice to be heard. What was it about this uh, editing the book, offering up your viewpoints in this book that became important to you? Uh, that's a really great question, and um, uh, the easy answer is, is, well, it's not the easy answer, but Ken DeStefanis called me up and, you know, chatted me up a little that he was working on this book called Advice from Champions and Would I Write an Essay? And at the time, I was extremely busy, and I said, Ken, I hardly have any time to write this essay, but let me think about it. So Ken is very crafty, and I love him. <laughs> And uh, this is really where the kernel of the book got started. And okay. I, I, I love this story. Is He said, well, let me just send you a couple of essays from oh. the book and see if that inspires you. That's so I challenge. said, sure. And so all of a sudden I'm reading a, an essay by Larry Owings, 
um, about his the course of his career and you know how he rose up and eventually you know we all know was that had that momentous win in the finals with Dan at college. Right. And then I read a few more of the essays and I was so inspired that I felt like wow I really want to write my own viewpoint on wrestling and you know what I think is important about the sport and I want to contribute to this. And that's how we got started. And, um, and then the next thing that happened um, was Ken called me back, and he really liked the essay that I wrote. And he said, hey, look, you know, Nancy's done all these great paintings of wrestlers. Can we use the one of Gable on the cover? And I was like, well, I, that's fantastic. I'm honored, but i got to ask Nancy. So Nancy was all for it. She gave us, you know, carte blanche permission. And Ken and I decided to put the... Uh, uh, you know, the the image of, of Dan on the cover, that's a, a very famous painting of um, Dan executing a move that is now called the Gable, mm-hmm. uh, named for him in the 72 Olympics. But then there was a problem, Scott, and I'll tell you the problem. Okay. I said to Ken, I said, Ken, all of a sudden the book makes no sense. And he's <laughs> like, why? What's the problem? And I said, we have a... a photograph or a painting of dan on the cover right. we have this great essay by larry owings but dan's not in the book right that makes no sense you know we got to get dan in the book <laughs> so we reached out to dan and he was all for it and right. from there it just kept escalating and ken and i kept going back and forth but what really moved me was the depth of the emotional range of the essays that were coming in from the wrestling community and it made me more and more proud that this was a community I've been part of since I was 13, actually. What the book does, Um, in my estimation, what the book does, and I think it's the greater scope, right? It features stories, experiences from diverse people who obviously had diverse life stories. But the common common thread is what? Wrestling and the community. Yeah, and the community. But wrestling is a vehicle for transformation, true or not? Yeah, true, true enough. That's what it is. The book is about wrestling as a vehicle for transformation. And as we all know, one of the hardest ones where you can't buy your way in, you, you earn respect from your coaches and That's your right. teammates and um, everyone around you. It's how you perform that, you know, is what the, the wrestlers honor. So, um, I, and, you know, Scott, I really believe that the wrestling community has so much to offer. Yes. Both, you know, the United States and the America, but also globally in the world that, you know, the attributes that make our community strong from diversity to hard work to um, really accepting anyone of every size, shape, color, nationality, gender, we're all inclusive sport. Mm-hmm. And I feel like our values are more and more important. And I think this book honors that. Yes. And, and I couldn't agree with you more. And f- folks, Second author, second book on the show today, Advice from Champions, with the introductory, great introductory essay, by the way. It's not a short one. That's why it's called an introductory essay. It doesn't fit the Uh parameters of everybody else. (laughs) It's so typical Gable. But I love that about him. Introductory essay by Dan Gable, of course. uh, Great artwork as well, but by Nancy. I do want to tell you that um, what you, you stated something that... I think is so very important to note is that wrestling has so much to offer everybody else that hasn't participated and or understood what wrestling is. Perhaps the UFC has thrown some light on this, especially as of late when so many of the champions have backgrounds in our sport 
and I'm grateful for that. There was a time when Dana White did not want wrestlers involved in the UFC. He thought wrestling was boring until his kids started wrestling. <laughs> well, Think about that. And then when Trump's people called and said, hey, uh, Mr. Trump wants to meet Dan Gable, and my question was, why? Well, Donald Trump was a wrestler, okay? And he idolized his Dan Gable. I said, you're going to be kidding me. I said, well, I want a one-on-one with, with Trump, and I'll, and I'll do my best to make this happen. So I called up Dan. He asked the same question. Why does he want to meet me? I said, you're his idol. He said, I'm Donald Trump's idol. Yeah, this is right before the 2016 election. And he said, happy to meet him when and where, on the tarmac in Waterloo, no better place, Gable's hometown. And they got together, not just once, but five more times before Gable, before Dan and Kathy would endorse this guy's candidacy. It didn't, I mean, you got to work your butt off to get any kind of respect from Gable. But those that do and receive that acknowledgement, what a payback. What a payback. You got a friend for life in Dan Gable. And I think you guys did the right job by asking Nancy to use that artwork because it is superior in and in what it's explaining through movement. And uh, by the way, great recognition of Joy Krebs, longtime friend, longtime contributor, one of my dearest friends and out there on the West Coast, but he truly believes in the friends and what they've been able to offer our sport. You're obviously one of them. There's, yeah. there's a focus, uh, a shape and focus of the format. What is that? Uh, you know, it's, that's an interesting um, point that you bring up, that uh, Joey is a dear friend to me, and I really, he's got an incredible life story, and I pushed him hard to really write it and tell it, because, um, you know, Joey, on my high school team, you know, on my high school team, we had guys that could have placed in the state that couldn't wrestle varsity on the team, you know, with Luciani as the coach. So right. we had this incredible team. And I don't think that Joey ever cracked the varsity of our Huntington High School team. But on our team, if you got through the first two weeks of practice, Luciani lets you stay on the team. And so he became one of the, you know, cherished members of the team. And then when he went off to California, he was good enough to, you know, wrestle and be in the room at Bakersfield with all the great Bakersfield wrestlers, you know, Joe Gonzalez and Adam Questis and Tim Vanny, um, John Azevedo. So he became workout partners to all those guys based on his wrestling background. But what I think is so interesting about Joey's story is, is that it was the wrestling community that he used to support his spiritual path to become the great artist and intellect and journalist that he is. And his story, I feel, is very important because not everyone's going to be an Olympic champion. That's right. And, you know, that's, that's just the fact. But that's not really what's important about wrestling, and I think it really comes through in this book. Um, Scott, I'm going to add, I'm going to add one, one last, uh, another short anecdote here is that I've personally gone through a rough week this week, um, in that I lost, um, two dear friends. Oh, wow. Um, one was, um, not unexpected. He was a really great individual and he was about to turn 96. And in the same day, I lost another dear friend who was just about my age. And last night I was feeling pretty sad and, and down and I decided to start reading the book a little bit again to, um, you know, get ready for today's interview. And I realized how powerful the book is in terms of raising all our spirits, because right. as much as I'd gone through, the, the book was lifting my spirits about what it takes to keep lifting ourselves up, no matter what adversity we're, we're facing. 
So is it, I, I, I noticed one of the notes I have here, it says it's uh, something akin to chicken soup for the soul for wrestlers. Yes. Uh, that's, uh, a lot of people don't understand that wrestlers are literally bearing their all. Okay. They are going to make mistakes for sure. Some are more perfect than others, but the very best of them are able to stand back, take an observational jab and, and, and really understand what it is that this sport is offering them. And their opportunity is to take part in it. You've got the invitation, but how do you address the opportunity? And there are so many out there, yourself included. You are absolutely a, uh, a genius in many regards in terms of, uh, you know, inventing, uh, what, what was the product, the product, um, that you were mentioning? Was it the smart uh, bell? Smart bells. Yeah. Yes. I've invented two different products. I invented first smart bells years ago in the nineties. And, um, I guess through my Harvard education and my wrestling partic- persistence, I mm-hmm. taught myself to write patents through a book called patent it yourself. <laughs> and now, <laughs> and now I've written, uh, I took it out of the library every week for six months until they said, look, you've got to go buy your own copy, which I finally did. <laughs> um, but, um, I, so I invented smart bells and I have a new product called heart H E A R T. And uh, incredibly, I, I trademarked the word heart for a fitness device. It's the first fitness device in the shape of a heart used for movement and flow and also for healing. The, so book. the website for that, uh, I'm just going to tell you if people are wondering what that is, it's heartmoves.love is the website for the heart heartmoves.love. Do me a favor folks. If you're interested, look for, uh, Look for Paul on Facebook. Look for Paul online. Google search this guy. You're going to be as amazed as I was. How did I not know most of the stories beyond me? But I'm so glad that we have a chance to uh, make acquaintance through our buddy Joey. But more than anything, through this book, um, I'm just, every time people in our sport write, they write from the heart. They write for no other reason other than to express what they've learned. And you've done just that. In your essays, your ability to edit is uh, second to none. So, Paul, good job out of you. Folks, look for the book. Um, and, and you can buy this for Christmas as well, Christmas giving, uh, Christmas gift giving. These books are already stateside, so you don't have to worry about any shipping uh, problems. So where can they find the book, Paul? Uh, they can find it at, on advicefromchampions.com. And uh, another thing about the book is all the proceeds are headed back to the wrestling community. It's a, it's a nonprofit endeavor, which okay. is another phenomenal thing that uh, Ken DeStefanis has done in putting it together. So this, as you said, Scott, this book is really an, an effort of really heartfelt love from the wrestling That's community right. as an offering to everyone. All right, buddy. Hey, we got to take a quick time out, but and what a great way to start it off. It's a one-two punch today as we then offer up the, uh, the author, co-author, if you will, conceived and compiled by Ken DeStefan. De, I want to say it right, DeStefanis. Uh, DeStefanis. I, 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 on Long Island, they say DeStefanis. <laughs> well, Long Island is Strong Island for a reason. You guys have opinions. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> and it's not just Al Bevilacqua. <laughs> All right, exactly. God, God bless you, Polly. Have a great rest of your day and a wonderful holiday season. Okay. Yeah, thank you so much, and we'll be sharing the link to the interviews, and I really appreciate it, and nice catching up with Pablo. I remember him 
quite well, and uh, good to talk to you again, Pablo. All right, man. Take care. There we go. The greatness that is. All right. Do me a favor, too, Paul. Send us, uh, text me your uh, email address. We'll have Kira send you your segment as well as Ken's, okay? Okay, beautiful. Thank you much, you, you guys. Have a great day. All right. God bless you, my friend. All right. Quick time out on the live line. This portion of the show brought to you by the Chow Hall for Wrestlers on Des Moines Southside, right by the ballpark. It's Mullet's Restaurant. Incredible breakfast served almost every hour of the day. And, oh, my goodness sakes, the sizes, the portions are amazing. Stop down there and tell them that we told you to stop down and have breakfast with them. So many people on the bike pass do. Now it's your opportunity to do so as well. Make plans to eat at Mullet's. Take somebody you love, somebody you know. doesn't matter. Gable's got a table there, and so should you. Stay tuned. There's more. This is USA Takedown. USA Takedown is brought to you by Barbarian Apparel and Kaldenberg's PBS Landscaping. Stay tuned. More USA Takedown after this short timeout. All right, coming up, MCC Thanksgiving Throwdown, the night before Thanksgiving. It's a traditional event uh johnny case will be in the studio next week his partner uh uh uh, coach tassler will be joining us as well uh on the live line but um what a pleasure it was to talk with paul we've had some dynamic guests on the program today i am so grateful to have pablo basa in the studio too you know there's a lot of reasons you do this show okay a lot of reasons but one of it is to literally ask the right questions sit back and listen just listen to the greatness, like Ray Cole stories with Mike, uh, my, J. Michael Fox. Outstanding. But Advice from Champions is the book we're talking about, created and compiled by Mr. Ken DeStefanis from Long Island. Uh, he joins us now, does the author. Ken, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, Scott. How are you today? So, you know, I'm thinking that you've heard your name pronounced so many different ways, especially from <laughs> Long Island to New Jersey to uh, the you know the boroughs tell tell us the correct way your family pronounces your name. Well, I appreciate that. That's uh, D. Stephanus. D. Stephanus. Uh-huh. Yeah, thank you. And 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 your partner there, he thinks it's completely different, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, those Harvard grads. I don't know about those guys. <laughs> how many how many great wrestlers have come out of Long Island? You know, I I can go back to our buddy Nick Gallo, right? Oh, yeah, Nick's a good friend of mine, great wrestler, too, yes. Bill Farrell lived on the island, the very first Marlboro man and the founder of what has become now ASICS America. Correct, uh, correct. And and then Al Bevilacqua, the famed wrestling room at Massapequa High, named correct. after Al, and that's correctly so. The Baldwin Brothers. Birthday. What's that? Baldwin just had Brothers. a birthday. Who did? Al? Al? Yeah, he's like 85 or something? Yeah, I think his birthday was yesterday. It yeah. was yesterday. I sent I him a yes, message. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. And, and, of course, we're talking about your book, Advice from Champions. The reason I, I, I wanted to at least lead off with some of those that came from Long Island, yourself included, but you were really one of five brothers to wrestle for the Hall of Fame coach, Matt Senzone, at Locust Valley High. So there was another school besides Massapequa. How competitive was that? Well, Locust Valley High School was a very, very small school in Long Island, but our coach, Matt Sanzone, was absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he would just grab everybody in the hallways, an English teacher, and, uh, hey, what are you doing today? Oh, nothing after school. Okay, come on down to the wrestling room. <laughs> so, and, and we did. <laughs> they did the same and, thing to Couture. My cousin, 
Coach yeah. Case Beer out in Oregon pulled Couture out of the hallway, seventh grade. He said, Randy, you're going to wrestle. Randy goes, okay, what's that? <laughs> what, what's that? And and the, the the rest, as they say, is is legend. But I'm, I, you know, I'm, I love the story of Long Island because if you're a Long Islander, okay, that's special indeed. But then there are the subs, the subgroups like Locust Valley High, Massapequa High, uh, Hofstra, et cetera. There's so many great stories that reside and come from Long Island. I just think that, you know, my history with Long Island and all that you have offered in this book, I think it really does gel into the real story of the sport. Agree or disagree? Oh, absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, with, with Locust Valley being a very small state, uh, we actually won the New York State uh, team championship one year under Matt Sanzone. Wow. And, uh, you know, I'm really proud to have four brothers. My older brother, Ron, started us uh, on the path, and my three youngest brothers in the book I talk about, after Ron and myself, we, we rolled out the heavy artillery with yeah, my say. three youngest brothers, Carl <laughs> Allen, Bobby, all winning two state titles each. Oh, my goodness. And and yeah. by the way, Carl went on to become an NCAA champ. You, in turn, uh, memorial not memorialized, that's the incorrect word, but saluted <laughs> him by naming your first son Carl. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. My wife was pregnant, and um, I never forget at the Meadowlands in 1984, <laughs> and after Carl won, after Carl won, we all my brothers ran down to the floor, yeah. and you know I couldn't. I lost my wife, who was I think six or seven months pregnant at the time, and uh, when she finally came down <laughs> to see my brothers all hugging and crying like babies after he won, my wife looked up and said, "You guys cry over a little wrestling match? You're not even going to cry when our son is born." <laughs> but isn't that the truth of it all? Right. Yes. When absolutely. your brothers are all pulling for each other, and then one of them actually mounts the box, that—that right. that is the family aspect of our sport, whether it is blood or not. We support each other in our goals, our ideals, championships. Be damned! Everything that gets you there—that's what's important. That's the mystery. That's why advice from champions, the book, is so important to me. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It, it's been, it's been fun putting, putting this together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really has been an eye opener. Uh, when I first started, I, uh, Kenny Chertow sent me a text introducing me to Zane Rutherford. Right. So I asked Zane if there's a time we can talk tomorrow. He says, yes, call me at 10 a.m. I said, I have this project about this book. I'll send you some info. Love it. Well, the next morning I'm waiting for the 10 o'clock phone call from Zane at 930. I get an email from him uh, saying, I am honored that you reached out to me for this project. And then he wrote such a beautiful essay and words of advice to young wrestlers Mm -hmm. that I was blown away. And I knew right there and then I had something special to really share with the wrestling world. Have you noticed that those that are being coached by Cale Sanderson, Cody, Casey, all of those at Penn State that don't enjoy being interviewed and perhaps don't see the need for it, but their athletes are very much from the same cloth. Have you noticed that? Uh, I have. Putting this book together, I have. Absolutely. People Absolutely. ask why Cale Sanderson's not on the show more often. Well, there's a lot of <laughs> stuff we, we, don't, we don't agree with. There's a lot of stuff, and it's his choice, not mine, but... You know, I have a lot of respect for what he's done, how he's taught his athletes, how he teaches, how he coaches. But more than anything, the walk through life, 
you know, Kale Sanderson is doing it the right way. There was some conversation that if he did not get vaccinated or provide proof of vaccination, that he would leave employ of Penn State University. I was thinking this has got to be some kind of crap. <laughs> how would you? How would you ever allow? If you're the athletic director, yeah. how are you ever allowing the Kale Sanderson to get away yeah. from me? That's like saying Joe Pa can't coach football. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? exactly, absolutely. But the idea, absolutely. the idea for the book, I think, came at least from what I've been able to understand from your many years and networking with many of the community who were teaching alongside you, who were coaching alongside you, who were competing alongside you, or if I missed the point. No, you're right. I, I, I was the head coach at Central Connecticut State University many years and directed the competitive edge wrestling camps, gosh, for over 25 years. Uh, and I thought, you know, when, when coaches and athletes come in and they teach for a two-hour session and then they leave and go to another group, there's got to be a way to put all this all those thoughts and inspiration and motivation mm-hmm. into a book to have as a resource for the wrestlers to refer to at any time. So that was basically my idea. And then reaching out to people like Zane Rutherford. And then I re- reached out to Paul, to Paul Weiderman mm-hmm. and who I've known from Long Island for many years and who had taught at my camp and asked him to, uh, to ask Nancy if we can use her painting for the cover of the book. <laughs> And then everything kind of fell into place, getting a hold of my friend, Kenny Klein, who reached out to Mike Doherty, Mike Doherty, who reached out to Dan Gable, and it just kind of snowballed, mm-hmm. uh, Scott, and uh, into really something positive. Doherty is one of those great behind-the-scenes guys. Oh, he's, terrific. Guy. he's in more pictures with Gable and Celebrity <laughs> A, Celebrity B, Celebrity C. I mean, yeah. uh, Mike loves the opportunity to assist Gable Correct. and the museum, and he does an outstanding job. I can't say enough good things about him. Dan Gable starts the book. Book opens with Dan, as it should, because that's, right. that's when Team USA started to gel together. 72 Olympics. He just turned 72. Had a Correct. tremendous event to salute him and that. Great fundraiser yeah. for the museum as well. But it closes appropriately, I think, with the other side of the coin. That's Leroy Smith. A lot of people Correct. don't realize he was the head coach at Arizona State when they won the unlikely NCAA championship, and Leroy walked away. Yes, yes. Well, I had the honor to be at that gala event out in Iowa a few weeks ago and had just an opportunity to talk with Dan and to Leroy Smith and many others, and I was very honored to, to be in their presence and very honored that they reached out and uh, submitted advice for this book. How, how, truly, how has the book been received overall? Well, that, that's a great question. Uh, it's been really phenomenal. We've had sales in 22 countries, uh, I'm sorry, 22 states and two countries so far. And uh, three coaches received a book, called me or emailed me, and sent in an order and bought books for their entire team. <laughs> their assistant coaches and their entire team. One coach, one coach, Scott, I thought it was great, said, I'm going to make each wrestler on the, the team read this book on the bus to our away matches. Awesome. Because <laughs> the motivation and inspiration is really incredible. Very oh. excited. You know, it's people say after all these years, why do you keep doing the show? It's because I, too, get something out of the sport even from the broadcasting side, right? 
I get inspiration from talking to guys like you. Next week on the show, Max Askren. Why is he important? I mean, he was there at the dawning, even after his brother, the dawning of what has become Tiger-style wrestling, right? He's also one of the kindest young men that I've ever known. Yeah. You know, we shared shared an airplane ride together, and I get a two-page, single-spaced letter from him, handwritten in pencil. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I, I still have that, but I have so much respect, and I'm, I'm so inspired by guys like Johnny Case, two-time state champ, Max Askren. They're both going to be on the show next week. I love hearing the stories, and it gives yeah. me an entire week worth of hope that the following yeah. week I'm going to do even better with the guests I've got because this is a passion, and you are living it through this book. You are living it through the life you've chosen, but when the when the sport chose you, that's when it all changed. That's when it all changed. And most wrestlers don't understand that. But when the sport, yeah, Pablo, you true. get it. When the sport yep. chooses you and coaches start paying attention to you, teaching you how to get better, how to excel in the sport that is ultimately one of the toughest things to do on planet Earth, proven over and over, oh. generation to generation. Yeah, oh, <laughs> absolutely, Scott. And I also would like to say that, uh, all the proceeds from this book mm-hmm. will be donated back to nonprofit wrestling organizations, uh, including the Dan Gable Wrestling Hall of Fame and Museum, the National Wrestling Hall of Fame and Museum. I should hit you and up. The, <laughs> and, and, Are and you the a National nonprofit wrestling now? Nonprofit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and I have to give a, a, a quick shout-out to uh, Steve Biondolillo. Yeah. Uh, he was an advisor to our editorial team. And all issues related to editing and, and the marketing of the book. Was Carl as well? Uh, Carl Adams? No. Or Carl. which Carl? <laughs> no, I wrote the forward of that book. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love Carl Adams. But no, your oh, yeah. son, Carl. Oh, actually, my son, Carl, helped tremendously. Okay. He helped tremendously. And if you read his essay in the book, The Truth of the Podium, mm-hmm. um, I, I won't give any details, but but the people that have that book, read his essay, The Truth of the Podium. Love that. Uh, my son Carl uh, wrestled and named after my brother Carl, and uh, very moving story and uh, will resonate with many, many people. You know, when you prepare for a book, you prepare for a show, writing a script is, is kind of uh, diving into history. And I learned so much. My wife says, why does it take you so long to write a script? Because mm-hmm. I am learning along the way. I'm reacquainting myself with the truth that is this sport. And guys yeah. like Jordan Burroughs, when they make a decision to go back east, you know, to wrestle right. under Reina and, 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 and Brandon Slay, et cetera, and to wrestle for that club, he's a, he is an honest-to-God magnet for our sport. People want to be around him. When he makes that move and has, when he made that decision, I should say, that was, uh, there There was a, a sea change, okay? And the yeah. sea change is putting effort back on the East Coast. He knows that. He understands that. I get it. I've often said that the East shall rise again. The ACC shall rise again, and by God it is. But yes. it's because of great storytellers like you and those that you've offered up the opportunity to be in this book. And quite frankly, I'm going to loan this to Pablo Ubasa, the greatness that is. I'm going to loan yeah. it to him. And and twice now I've said this on the air. You gotta bring me the damn book back, yeah, okay? Because we'll this is my book. This is I'll my book. Back. Good next time. <laughs> All right, my brother. Thank you so much. Uh, up against the clock, but it's awfully fun getting to know everything that you put forward into this book and understanding the creative arts that is writing in this day and age. Ken, thank you so much. 
Thank you again, Scott. And people can get the book at advicefromchampions.com. Thank you again. Thank you. Happy holidays, my friend. Advice from Champions, the author, Ken DeStefanis. DeStefanis. Either way, if you're from Long Island, you're going to get it wrong. All right. Uh, The book is available now. Great for Christmas gift giving. And it's been a wonderful one-two punch as we had Ken on and before that, Paul as well. Hey, stay tuned. We'll be back again next week. You've been listening to America's Wrestling Radio Talk Show, Coast to Coast, Border to Border, and all those ships at sea. Kerry Jones has been our producer. Again, Max Askren coming out next week, as is Johnny Case in studio. It's always positive and a pleasure to have Pablo Ubasa in the studio as well. Thank you, Pablo. Thanks for having me. And it's ubasatrained.com. All right. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to this ESPN program. It's USA Takedown on ESPN Radio. And pretend that he is Parson Brown.